This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch. Because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The DFS Studio is brought to you by DraftKings. Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, boys and girls. October 3rd, we're back, Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew Dirty 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 Stash Betts. I thought you were going to say you were joined by our king, our hero, our you know true DFS goat, Aiden O'Connell, today on the show. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, as as a way to pay tribute to this man for helping us get to the cash line, this 4K uh, quarterback extraordinaire, I did have to convert the goatee that is now, I feel like, uh, famous. It sort of has its own persona into this beautiful, crusty mustache that is on my face right now, which... Man, I'm not going to lie. I don't hate it. I really don't hate it. <laughs> With the glasses, you can rock it. And yeah, and and you know what? 12 point whatever points from Aiden O'Connell. I don't hate it either. It was dirty. If you rode with the mustache man, you're part of the crew. Uh, the week four crew that was Aiden O'Connell. And we are glad you're with us on this show. We are going to talk about our uh, cash process, a little bit of reviewing the slate from this past week. It was different. It was wild. It was, uh, you had to adjust. You had to adjust based on information that actually came out throughout the weekend. So uh, we're glad you're with us. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the state of the main slate for week five. There is already a game that you're going to hear about 30 million times this week, and rightfully so. So that'll be good. Uh, but if you want to follow us, you can follow bets at the Fantasy PT on Twitter. You can follow me at Kyle underscore Borg. Uh, we say things sometimes we talk to people sometimes that's what we do on the apps right uh yeah and you usually post lots of interesting threads uh lots of interesting stats Mm. and notes that i do find very helpful so yeah you've got that going on i've got some injury stuff and besides that yeah we're just that's where we you can find us yeah you know some dad stuff some kids stuff we'll throw it all in there but let's talk about our cash lineups Straight cash, homie. So we get to come on this podcast every single week, not to gloat, not to uh, wallow in our pain, but just to give a transparent look of, we like to build cash lineups. We think that people can learn DFS the right way. 
And we think we've had some pretty good success stories this year in the DFS past people that got to jump on board. So for us this week, we went from having some pretty clear plays in mind. Like Anthony Richardson, I would say was my guy until I woke up Sunday morning at quarterback and he ended up being still a great play. So if you were still on Anthony Richardson, I feel great about that part of the process. But Sunday morning, you might've been one of those people that woke up to a message that said, Aiden O'Connell will be the starting quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders. And if you logged in your DraftKings app, which imagine logging out of that app, uh, you'd find out that he was the stone men at 4K for a quarterback. Before we go into his performance, which was doo-doo, right? Like he got sacked. It was gross. Why does this matter for cash when you get a 4K starting quarterback? Yes, uh, the game did not go well <laughs> for a, a day three rookie making his first start. Uh, my wife was actually asking me, she's like, why are you so invested in the Raiders game? I was like, don't worry about it because <laughs> I never watch Raiders games. But um, yeah, you know, at 4K, the conversation isn't even close between guys like Anthony Richardson or even Russ. I thought, you know, we talked about was like projecting pretty well as a good play. Like for him to reach those guys would have been unheard of. And that's not what you're playing him to do. You're playing a 4K quarterback where it makes sense to give you, I mean, a floor of 10 points, hopefully, right? Maybe 12, maybe 14, and in a best-case scenario, 16. And really, that's what it's about, is not him, but what you could do with the rest of your lineup, which for us, we felt very strongly that, look, Anthony Richardson's probably going to smash, and it feels scary to not play him, but it was tough to fit Anthony Richardson and Keenan Allen if you wanted to play Jamar Chase, uh, Christian McCaffrey. You're like, you can't fit all those guys, right? And so... I know you were big on this and and I definitely agreed by the time we got to Sunday and it was like, oh, Eli Mitchell might not be playing. Sounds like he's not going to play. If you play Aiden O'Connell, you can comfortably fit CMC, which is really what it was all about. So it's more about the savings than him being a good play. And truthfully, I feel like he kind of got lucky, like with the oh, tush push sure. at the one, because uh, I think it was a Josh Jacobs touchdown that got called back and then then they did the tush push. But yeah, I mean, he struggled. It wasn't great. Khalil Mack had a career day. Yeah, it was ugly, but Hey, 12 points, and thank you, CMC. Now, let me just say this. The stars and scrub approach, which is what I took to the max. Like, my build was not conventional, and I don't think that if you, you, know, if you want to read my article, you can. It's free on the site, uh, my cash review article. But what it affords you to do, and what I looked at, is in my best plays, I got five of my best plays. Like, five of the top six or seven. So, Kyron Williams, Christian McCaffrey were our top two running back plays. And those were locked in. So if you had those in your lineup and you got to follow in the DFS pass, like those were the two plays. But then there are these trio of wide receivers that I could fit in my lineup because of what uh, O'Connell afforded me to do. So Keenan Allen, Jamar Chase, and then Puka Nakua, who to quote you bets, you said, I am locking this man in almost every single lineup possible because of the projections, because of the target opportunities. And that's what I would encourage you if you're building a cash lineup and you're trying to you know, send people like, hey, should I do this or this? Add up the opportunities. Add up the projectable targets. Like I looked at my lineup and I saw Keenan Allen, Jamar Chase, and Puka Nakua, and I go, each of those players are going to see at least 10 targets in this game. Now, Keenan Allen didn't go quite as well, and I might have mentioned that on this podcast. Like, hey, man, sometimes Keenan does Keenan things. Trust me. But the opportunity was there, and I knew the field would play him as well. So I just kind of moved with what the field was doing. But 
it's not normal to get these kinds of weeks. Like I think we might get one or two of these a year where you get a Stoneman quarterback that the field is also going to play. So in my double up, O'Connell was played by 27% of the field. And I, and I kind of guessed at least 30 to 33% would. So it's kind of makes sense with what uh, the group's doing. But any other points you want to bring out about this week in cash? Because if you didn't have Christian McCaffrey, sorry. Oh, man, he was unreal. Um, the C's just opened up for that one too, by the way. You know, with Debo banged up, entering the game, didn't practice all week, and then Eli Mitchell really made him go from a great play to an unbelievable play, even at his price. So yeah, I really thought that you broke it down pretty well, just kind of talking about what O'Connell lets you do for the rest of your lineup, which was getting up to those guys. Um, I was down to, to a decision point where like, I was trying to figure out, can I fit in Jamar Chase? But I would sacrifice Puka Nakua, and then I was going to have to drop down to like a Tank Dell, Adam Thielen type. So which Thielen you know, was great, and he worked out. Uh, we took an under on him in props. It did not work, but he was great. So that, that certainly could have worked. Um, man, truthfully, my decision point was just the game environment. Like I felt so much better about Puka in the dome taking on that zone-heavy indie secondary that we sort of pick on every week, it feels like. Um, that I felt comfortable not playing Chase, man, I didn't think the run out would go the way it did. If you lose T Higgins and you get the Tennessee pass funnel, I would think he smashes most weeks. Clearly he did not. So I feel fortunate to be on the right side of that one, certainly. But man, that, that offense uh, scares me. I'm heavily invested in a best ball. So I'm worried about the Bengals situation. Yes. And my last little point for this past week is do not use what happened in week four as gospel for week five. It's a completely different slate. We'll talk about it, especially with bye weeks. Things will change. Roster percentage will change. I did want to bring up a point that I saw on Discord, and I think it's worth a conversation. A lot of people are asking you about duplicated lineups. Like, hey, I'm playing in a single entry double up, and there's about 8,000 people in it. And I just found that, you know, there's like 80 people with the same lineups. Keep in mind that as you start adding players, or maybe a better way to look at it is removing players from your player pool it kind of decreases the options of where people can go. So for instance, if you have Christian McCaffrey and 50% of the field had Christian McCaffrey and 56% had Kyron Williams, like a lot of lineups are going to show up with those two guys in the running back position. That takes out a lot of different options, okay? Then if you're playing a cheap quarterback like Aiden O'Connell or uh, DTR, um, then that also changes things, which... That came up too, right, in the conversation. Like, should I play Aiden O'Connell or DTR? And we kind of just didn't look at DTR because, yes, he has rushing upside, but the game environment was just so bad, right? Yeah, that's that's really what it came down to for me. I mean, it was that plus kind of a 2v2 that I liked better. But if you played DTR and you considered him, you could have said to yourself, well, he has a rushing you know, history that we think will be there. But at the same time, the game total was at like 39 and a half to 38 or something like that by the time it actually kicked off. And then we saw, of course, a huge shift in the market. Uh, the The Browns were favored initially. And then within a matter of minutes, the Ravens were favored by like a field goal or something by the time kickoff got here. So things sort of just got away from the Browns and it kind of felt like that spot was coming. Not to mention, he was also 4,600, not right. a free square at 4K where, you know, it sounds like it's not that much, but it is very important when you're considering, oh, can I get up to you know, Puka, or can I get up to Keenan or CMC or, or whoever your guy was that week? So yeah, that's really what it came down to down to for me. I did consider him for a brief second, but then I saw the game environment and I mean, the Ravens are a pretty good defense most weeks. Um, taking on a quarterback like that, you and I said, we're like, man, they're just gonna hand the ball off over and over and over again, aren't they? And the game environment really got away. So yeah, that's what led us to uh, Aiden O'Connell 
Um, like I said, I still feel fortunate it worked out, but really it was about getting up to the other, the other guys in your lineup. Yeah, and I let everybody know it was 6.20 in the morning when I let out, hey, this is what's changing in our best plays on a Sunday morning. Uh, our projections eventually updated so people could see like, hey, he's a good value. Obviously, he wasn't a smash play, but what he afforded you to do was totally fine. But when you're building cash lineups, keep in mind, the, the pool of players keeps on shrinking. And then you're just kind of looking at a lot of like 2v2 swaps. Like, you want to play Tank Dell and this guy? Or do you want to play, you know, this defense and another defense? Like, there really aren't that many plays. And then this next week, when we have only 10 games on the slate, like the plays shrink even more. So duplicated lineups will happen. Um, if you, I see it all the time. Somebody will say like, oh, I'm playing against someone head to head. They have the same lineup. How is that possible? And I, and I try to like be kind, but also like go back. Like, do you realize the other person saying the same thing too? Like, how do you have the same lineup? And there's a lot of like overlap. Like Kyron Williams should have been played 90% of the field, in my opinion. Like he was the easiest call, I think on the board of projectable opportunity and price and in mine, he only landed at like 57%, which didn't seem like a lot. But the industry is smarter, right? D- cash, maybe like five years ago, was kind of the wild, wild west. Now you're getting projections. You're getting people to pay for services of just give me a lineup. So yeah, it, you're going to see duplicated lineups, right? Yeah. I mean, all the time. And that happens. I mean, we play, I think both play a decent volume of head-to-heads. But yeah, I see a ton of duplicated ones in mine as well. Uh, kind of is what it is. Uh, it's part of the process, and like you said, it's part of the fact that when you really whittle it down, like you're looking at most weeks a three v three, a two v two situation. So of course, there's going to be a ton of overlap. But I agree. Like even though the field is getting smarter, Kieran Williams, man, he should have been eighty plus percent at right. least. I was shocked. So uh, that is an example of where there is still an edge in DFS because his projection was massive. He's playing one hundred percent of snaps or roughly around there. Goal line roll, pass catching. It fit everything. A game environment we liked as well. Let's talk about some week four winners, though. Money, 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 money. Now, whether it's big or small, we just love that we get to ride with people in the DFS pass. So we wanted to give some shout outs. What's great, too, is like Betts and I don't like ask people, like, please give us your best stories so that we can get on this podcast. Like people come out of the woodworks and we find them in like the most interesting places. So this one, you found Betts. That was commented on the Best Plays article that said, wow, guys, I won 6K thanks to you guys on a $5 DK tournament from Blue Thunder 15. That's a cool message to get. $5 tournament into 6K. I mean, what um, a username. First of I all, know. Right? <laughs> Can you read this one, Bets? This one came in from an email uh, f- about the DFS pass. Yes. Don't know if this is the right place to write this, but I wanted to show some love for the DFS pass. I've gone from just listening to the podcast last year to getting the DFS pass through the UDK Plus, and overall, it's been awesome. I killed it in my drafts, and now I'm doing way better in DFS this year, particularly in cash games, where I'm undefeated on the season, knock on wood, just placed well for the first time, uh, just placed in, as well in the first time in some small field tournaments that I wouldn't have done without Bets and Borg's picks. Just an overall 11 out of 10 recommend. Love the product and everyone at the Fantasy Footballers. 11 out of 10. That's saying something, dude. That's pretty good. And then we got another one in here that says, I've been listening to your podcast for a while. I finally signed up for the DFS pass. I use your optimizer. And in the first week, I hit for 8,500. Oh, my wife's not going to like to hear that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we mentioned the DFS pass every single week. We had been running a promo for the last two weeks, you know, uh, for people to get in. We will 
hopefully run some more. But here's what I always tell people. Like the DFS pass can pay for itself in a week. So if you go to DFSPass.com, you can, hey, use the promo code DFSPod. We won't even tell Andy, Mike, and Jason that we're just going to throw that in there because we like you guys. You can save 10% on that. So DFSPass.com. Let's talk about this slate. State of the main slate. Each week, Bets and I refer to the DraftKings Sportsbook lines. It's where Bets and I play. So go to sportsbook.draftkings.com. And we're going to check in with a quick wager before we get into this week's lines. Bets, my ATL boys, they went to London. They hit the over and they lost. So I'm just proud of Desmond Ritter for getting over 180 yards. <laughs> and I think, you didn't you say you took Jacksonville in a survivor pool? Oh, yeah, that one that one was, you know, I go through the week and it's just a free survivor pool, but it's like I'm through week four and, you know, I could have taken some easier ones, but I was like, I don't know if I'll ever use the Jaguars again, but I feel confident against the Falcons in a run-heavy approach where the Jaguars have been top five in EPA per rush attempt. Like, they've been pretty good against the run and it's just going to force Ritter to throw. So I liked that line and... It was sad because like when things started moving in the second half for the Falcons, I was like, all right, there's some momentum. And then it just fell flat uh, with Ritter. But he hit his over, and that's all we care about. That's all we care about. And, you know, Arthur Smith, fellow mustache man, uh, already told us it's Ritter again moving forward. So I hope you're ready to uh, hopefully not take another gross over. When you decided that we were going to take that, I was like, man, please I... don't make me start my Sunday on a bad note. Having to watch Desmond Ritter, A, and B, double dipping on an over, Kyle, at 930 in the morning. It's not something I want to do most weeks. Did you <laughs> you gotta stick the over. <laughs> yes, I cringed. I felt when I hit so the, bad the place bet button. <laughs> I feel bad taking Falcons props for anybody. Just I feel bad because I'm not trying to force anything into it. And then when I like the numbers and I'm like, oh gosh, should I should I mention this? I, I hate even telling bets that I'm thinking about maybe doing this. And then I didn't even tell them. I just made it an official play. And they both hit. So that was great. Um speaking of the props though, we did mention there's going to be a week where we regress, and sadly, it was this week. Uh, we had our first down week, three and five in the DFS pass, and more importantly, no birthday parlay. If you listen to the Friday show, oh. uh, I think it only went one, two and five or something yeah, like that, or two, one and five. Yeah. Zach Wilson comes down on Sunday Night Football, game of his life, of course, but it didn't matter. It was all done from there. But um, side note, shout out to Zach Wilson. Actually, looked very good on Sunday Night Football. Uh, almost pulled off the upset there, but the props regressed. One that is continuing to go well. Carolina under seven and a half man they I don't think really care that they're losing right because they have a rookie quarterback but at the same time they're not really showing any changes in the scheme like Minnesota clearly a pass funnel defense but they were intent on running the ball Miles Sanders coming off the groin injury and every time that they would get to the line and he would like check it it was like this like dinky little wide receiver screenplay like it wasn't even aggressive passing so you can't win games in the NFL in that situation. They're banged up on defense. I mean, this could cash in like a month at this point. That, so I remember going back to those shows. So it's what Betts and I love doing is going through the schedule early, early on and talking about different place schedules. And I, I have some people that say that it doesn't matter. Like I kind of overemphasize like, oh, there's a first place schedule. It's a second place schedule. It's only like three extra games. Like, ask the Bengals that this year because they are getting destroyed and they still have some of their hardest games still coming up, uh, you know, as a first-place schedule. The Panthers had a second-place schedule and they are just getting walloped, okay? 
So, you know, it was against Seattle. They still have a game against Dallas. And it's just, it's ugly. So I just want to say, like, when we're doing our forecasting for these teams early on and we pound the table, it's like there's something wrong about a rookie quarterback and the line being at seven and a half. And it was plus money when we took it. So that's the one that we felt the strongest. Last year was the Cardinals. This year it's the Panthers rooting against uh, against bad football. That's just part of what we do. Um, I'll also say I took a, speaking of the Panthers, I took a pie in the face with Adam Thielen. How the heck did that guy have a 20-plus yard reception? <laughs> I don't know. I'm so mad, man. But he keeps getting it done. He's a PPR monster. Um, yeah, if you took him on like a full PPR best ball site, DK or like drafters, it's working, man. I don't have much Adam Thielen this year, and I could come back to, to bite me. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch. Because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. All right, into week five, bets. Week five, we're here looking at the early lines in the game. So I wrote these lines down on Friday. And you can get those at DraftKings, which is really great. And one of my favorite things to do is to look at these early lines. And if you want to, guess where you think the line is going to move. And oftentimes, if a game is hovering around 48 or 49, people will start betting it up. So um, there's one game this week. That is over 50 points. That's Kansas City at Minnesota. It's now up to 52 and a half as of this recording. And you can correct me if I, if the line's moved since then. But Philadelphia at the Rams is another game that's been bet up from 46 and a half to 48. And the Giants at the Dolphins has been bet up from 49 to 49 and a half. So we have three healthy games for this next week. Yeah, and those do look like the best game environments on the slate, especially when you consider like, you know, the Bills are in London on Sunday morning against the Jaguars. Uh, there's a couple teams on Sunday Night Football with the Cowboys and the Niners that we always love. So, yeah, the game environments as a whole kind of zoom in on those three, I would say. And looking at the lines right now, that's kind of what I'm seeing as well as what you mentioned. So uh, right on track there. But I, I like those game environments for sure. All right. Double check this for me because I'm I want to make sure that my sports book is not glitching. Is the Eagles Rams game now at 50? Because uh, it is. Okay, so just be, just so you know, that game on Friday, you get the early line. It was at 46 and a half. That is a lot Ooh. of movement. And Giddy up. I know. So Let's I'm excited. Go. I'm excited for that game. Um, the top five team implied totals this week. Uh, who are those teams? Yeah, so at the top, we've got Miami, 29 and a half. KC at 29. Philly at 26 and a half. Detroit, 26.3. And then Minnesota, 23 and a half. I feel like these are a lot of teams that we have looked at before. 
And now we're just getting different combinations of, you know, different environments. Um, there is a game. I can't wait. It's a Sunday night game, but it's Philly and Miami. Another game later on in this year that we're going to be like, oh, that these teams, we've seen them play so much. Now we get to see them uh, match up together. With the bye weeks, though, how do we handle this differently? Because we have the Chargers, Browns, Seahawks, Bucks, and then, of course, Thursday night game, a London game. This is a small slate compared to what we've been used to. So with 10 games, how do you approach this differently than uh, what we've been doing? Yeah, bye weeks are officially here. So this will be the case moving forward, depending on how many teams are on bye or not. But if you're used to these, you know, 12, 13 game slates, um, obviously your player pool is going to shrink. As a result, the quote unquote best plays in cash are going to condense, I think, even more. Um, and if you think about it, like as, as an extreme example, if you ever play like the, the Thanksgiving slates, which I love, you know, it's three games. Or if you play sometimes these uh, playoff slates that are two games, like there's not as much edge in cash because it's very obvious who you should play. And I think as the slates get smaller, you should keep that in mind. If you are used to playing cash, it'll be a little more tough. So maybe in those weeks, if you're willing to kind of adjust your bankroll, tournaments are better because there is less of an edge the smaller the slate. So I'm not saying there, there won't be an edge this week. 10 games is still big enough, but just consider that moving forward. Um, so the player pool gets smaller. The amount of games that you can you know stack confidently as far as the game environment gets smaller depending on the week. And then the other thing is that uh, the overall scores should generally be lower than, you know, early the season, man, we've had some wild weeks, like two weeks ago, it was crazy with needing, you know, 220 to even have anything meaningful um, in your bank account. So the, the slate gets smaller, the scores get smaller. And as, as that happens, the player pool as well. Let me give you the cash lines so far, just to give some context for people of like, you know, what we're shooting for. Like usually when I make a lineup, I feel like I've been shooting for around, you know, 135 to 140 in my projected totals. Like if you get that, that's pretty good. Upwards of 145 is insane. If you can get that in your projected lineup, that's really good. The cash lines though, week one was 138 points. This was for uh, double ups. 123, 166.98 in week three, which was the bananas week. And last week it was 152.92. So that's in the $25 double up. So I would just say, and you know, I could be this, I could be wrong, but I think generally speaking, the cash line is probably going to be somewhere around 130 ish this week. Like that's probably where we're going. Um, there are enough healthy games here to support more. Like usually, if there's only one game and like maybe one other one comes in around like 47, we'd be like, eh. But there's enough games here to definitely like them. Kansas City at Minnesota is going to be the game. It has the names we want. It's in a dome. There's so many things to like in that game. Any initial thoughts about it? Yeah, I love it. I mean, how do you not, right? When you consider how poorly Mahomes uh, played on Sunday Night Football against the Jets, now he gets a bounce back spot that is a dream. Uh, the Vikings are terrible in the secondary. This game is being played in a dome. It's clear the highest total. And, you know, teams, when they face the Chiefs over the last two-ish or so years, have had to skew pass heavy. That's just what they have to do, right? And we saw the game plan with Zach Wilson on Sunday Night Football was to come out and throw and be aggressive, which you have to do if you want to beat Mahomes and the Chiefs. The Vikings have shown us they're very willing to do that <laughs> every week. So I absolutely love that game environment. I think it is the best on the slate. I would not be surprised if by our Friday show, that game is up even higher. Yeah, and last week, you know, against the Panthers, they kind of just went neutral. Like Cousins only had 19 pass attempts. 
I almost wish we could just take out that game from their sample because it doesn't give us a cool picture of like, for a while, these teams were one, two in neutral pass rates and it's not going to show up there. So I might with the Vikings this week, if you want to sort, if you're doing some research on your own, just sort one through three uh, for the Vikings. Look at their pass rates in those three games. I think it's going to be way more indicative of who they are and what they want to do. So it's really great. And just to give you some numbers about Justin Jefferson and how good he is at home in his career, he's averaging 106 receiving yards per game, 9.8 targets, 0.7 touchdowns. It's it's cool when you get like the best players in the game who also get touchdowns now, like two touchdowns this past week. You know, you're getting some insane totals. Um, he's just awesome. So Justin Jefferson, I think is actually too cheap this week. We'll talk about him later, but I think his price didn't really move. And I thought it would with the game environment. Like last week, he wasn't really one of my best plays because I didn't love it on the road. I thought it was going to be a slow environment. This says like you play Justin Jefferson. If you want to pay up, do it. The running backs are gross. So pay up for wide receivers this week. I wrote down Philly at uh, the Los Angeles Rams. And I didn't know it was going to be bet up all the way to 50. So of course it's going to be one of those popular games. But I think people will try to chase Kyron and Puka. And we do have news that Cup can return. We have no idea as of this recording what's going to happen, but he's really expensive. I don't know if you saw his price bets. It's 8,600. That's not cheap. No, I'm not. Dude, DK's not doing anyone any favors this year. Uh, Come on. I keep saying it every week, but Jalen Waddell has done nothing. And he's still like almost 8K every week. It's like, what? what is happening here? And then, yeah, Cooper Cup hasn't played this year. He's one of the most expensive plays on the slate. Saquon Barkley didn't play on Monday Night Football coming off high ankle sprain. He's the most expensive running back on the slate. So it's tough. And I agree with you. I don't think even if he's active, you can really play him with con- Like in a tournament, sure, of course. But in cash, you can't really play him with confidence. Right now, we don't know that information. So DK did do a good job of pricing up uh, Karen and Puka in the event that Cup is not back because they've both been so good. Their roles are so good. So, yeah, I could see it. And look, I mean, Philly's defense has regressed majorly compared to last year. Look at what Sam Howell just did with uh, Terry McLaurin and his guys. We saw Kirk Cousins have a great game in week two, uh, week one as well. So, yeah, there there is some shootout appeal here. I will say monitor uh, Matthew Stafford dealing with a mild hip injury. He's expected to play, play through it. No big deal. But if you see him on the injury report this week, don't be surprised by that. I do expect him to play, though. The sneakiest game this week, to me, is Carolina at Detroit. Detroit home games is something we chased a lot last year, and I think it's not really the same exact formula. Like, their defense is much improved, so the plays per game are just looking very different, uh, you know, when you turn in terms of shootouts. But Jared Goff at home is viable. We know Amon Ra is. Dave Montgomery looks like a workhorse, and he's not super expensive, I think getting cute with Jameer Gibbs is kind of fun. Uh, Adam Thielen, you could look at. So like, I think there's enough appeal for that game to be usable, especially in many correlations. It's only at 43 and a half. So the total's not great, but oh, actually I'm a liar. It's now up to 45. So maybe it's not that sneaky anymore. I mean, it's on the move. These are the ones that I do like to identify though early in the week. Um, is when you do see movement, like you talked about with LA and Philly and then this game, when early money comes in on these games, you want to pay attention, right? Especially when late money comes in on the under and you're like, 
hmm, okay, that's interesting. I should monitor what's going on there as far as that game environment through the weekend. But early in the week when you see these lines move, especially in a way that we like for DFS, I do think there is some credence to that. So I like that call that that one could be going under the radar. And like you said, you don't even need it to be this full game stack, right? Like you could play, you know, Montgomery, for example, and Adam Thielen on the other side and, and be done with it. But we know that that correlation exists uh, for a reason. So I, I'm, I'm all about that. We'll talk more about David Montgomery in a minute. I like that call. Yeah. And if, like I said, if you want to on Friday, this is what I do. I just look at the lines and I just have the team set up for the next week and I go, okay, that line looks interesting. And I might put a note like, hey, I kind of like that one to go up in a certain direction. Or if it's a Monday night game and I, I don't like the total for the next week, I'll hit the under because it's like, okay, well, only chaos can happen on a Monday night game. You know, only bad things. So look at early lines because DK hangs them. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know why you're doing this. Um, and you're getting a lot of early action on some of these. So um, keep that in mind. Which game do you want to be underweight on this week? Yes, I am not super into the Baltimore and Pittsburgh game. Uh, the first thing is that it's a th- 38.5 total. Since we have news of Kenny Pickett's injury, obviously Pat Fryermuth with the hamstring injury, uh, you'll get Mitch Trubisky. But just in general, uh, Baltimore games have played to the under. This is a divisional game. These opponents know each other very well. It's sort of that classic AFC North tough game environment, uh, you know, so to speak. But man... The Pittsburgh Steelers have been so bad on offense that you really can't trust them to push back against Lamar, which Lamar and his guys have kind of been good enough. Like he's been good, obviously, for fantasy. We saw Mark Andrews finally have a great game. Uh, thank goodness for me. Um, but the, you know, they really haven't been tested. Like they haven't been pushed late in the game where we get these high flying environments. So I hope it comes soon for these Raven stacks that we've been so excited about, but they're still banged up. And Pittsburgh is rolling out Mitch Trubisky. You know, thank you. Yeah. The Steelers are sad, man. It's just a sad team to think about. They got destroyed by the Texans. Speaking of teams that got destroyed, what happened to the Saints at home, man? Because that was a train wreck against the Buccaneers. And right now, they are one and a half point favorites on the or one and a half point dogs on the road in New England. Another game I just don't want any part of. Who knows what Derek Carr's doing? Because his air yards were. 0.4 per completion. That's... Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara. <laughs> uh, people are going to want to play him, by the way, after that performance. And I can't do it. I'm sorry. Like, 13 receptions isn't repeatable. And if it is repeatable, it's not really as advantageous as you think. So I'm not... I, early on in the week, like, I don't... He's not in my cash pool. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens throughout the but week. I guess running back sucks. I agree, it's... It's just not a game environment you like, right? Like, I'm looking at their betting results. They're 0-4 against the spread. They're 4-0 to the under. They have not hit their team implied total yet this season, are the Saints. They're averaging 15.5 points per game. That's 25th in the league. So, yeah, it's just not an offense that you want to invest in right now, especially with a quarterback who's dealing with a banged-up shoulder. Were you on our site looking at that stuff? Because that's one of my favorite tools that I think a lot of people don't understand is that you can search for teams like the Saints in our search bar. And then you can look at the betting logs. You can look at like what they've done against the spread, all those kind of things. Um, yep. That was on our, our website. You may have heard of it, Kyle. It's called the fantasyfootballers.com. You just go to the page. You look at their stuff. You look for defensive metrics, pass rates. Uh, I mean, it's all there. Red zone plays. I actually use it uh, a ton for it. I'm writing my articles and stuff in the DFS passing for the show. So 
I love it. I feel like no one really knows about it, though. <laughs> we should talk about it more. I think it's a great resource. And of course, it is free. Which team are you most confident hits the over of their team implied total? I'm rolling with Indy again this week, man. I like I like the the Rams and what they're doing. Um, I will say there's a chance Jonathan Taylor maybe is back this week, which I don't actually like for this. I, I would like him to to force uh, you know pass rates for the Colts. We saw them come out super aggressive early in the year. You know, weeks one, two, and three. Of course, part of that was Gardner Minshew, but the thing that has remained there is the pace. I fear that if you do get the Zach Moss, Jonathan Taylor backfield, that they do start to skew a little more run heavy, which worries me. But I think Shane Steichen is a very smart, analytically driven guy as far as a coach. And we all know by now, it's very tough to run on Tennessee. So my hope is that they do lean into the pass in this matchup. If that's the case, I think they can go over 21 and a half points. I'm going to give you a gross one. I think that there are players on the Jets this week that are viable in DFS. That's really my point here. Uh, the Jets, right now, team play total is 19.8. I think that you can use Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall this week against a Broncos defense that's been doo-doo. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, Kyle. I came in, started to prep for the show, and they immediately stuck out to me as well. But I could, I could not do it. I couldn't actually come on here and recommend that to people, so I'm glad that you actually had the cojones to do that. <laughs> So um, I, it makes sense, man. Denver has just been a train wreck on defense. They've been terrible. Yeah, that's kind of like my point is like, say that kind of float away and then get credit if they do well. It's like, <laughs> hey, didn't you mention the Jets early in the week? But 19.8 is their team applied total. And let's just say Denver last three games, 35 points given up, 70 points given up and 28 points given up to uh, last week was Justin Fields. So uh and the 35 points was against Washington. It's not like they played awesome offenses other than Miami. So right. um, that game's interesting. Which team are you most confident hits the under? In other words, just stay away. Yeah, we talked about it you know, already a little bit with Pittsburgh, but just put some numbers to it. They're 32nd in EPA per play, 31st in success rate, 27th in yards per play on offense. And now they're facing Baltimore and three out of four opponents against Baltimore have been held under their team total. Uh, it's just, it's tough to see, man, especially with the, the injury issues that they've got going on in a tough matchup. So give me under on Pittsburgh. And I'll just follow up with what Betts was saying about the Saints. It's been gross, them hitting the under. Don't really want to do it on the road against Bill Belichick. No, thank you. All right, let's talk about salary standouts. Salary standouts. So salary standouts is a chance for us to talk about how on a slate, you get to move from a Tuesday initial idea, some vibes. You know, this is just straight vibes. Like, here's who stands out to me. Uh, starting a player pool, so inviting people to your pool party. And then things change based on practice reports for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Value opens up on a slate. So let this be the initial invite list to the crew. You're going to a wedding this weekend, so, like, you made it to the invite list. But you got to whittle it down. Like, if you've if you're a person that's had a wedding before you have the initial list, you had to invite certain people like my uncle I had to maybe sometimes didn't want to, but I had to invite him and then some other friends <laughs> and then some people didn't make the cut, which I've only had a couple of friends that have brought that up over the years. Just like, Hey man, I didn't make the cut. It's the worst part of weddings. Truthfully, if, if you're hosting it, if you're, if you're the one getting married, trying to figure out the guest list, 
is stressful and the absolute worst because like you said you're forced into inviting you know some relatives that you probably don't even talk to that much anymore but like you gotta invite them yeah but then that means a couple of your friends can't come it's a whole thing right i'm with you so let's kick off uh this party with an open invitation to daniel jones he's 5.8 <laughs> he's 5.8 and i will say we're recording this on monday evening so pending anything in the monday night game that Someone's happens like, did you see daniel jones what happened to him monday night oh if he has a terrible game this is gonna look awful uh but taking on miami they don't have the best team implied total, but he is cheap. He's 5.8. Miami, we expect certainly to have success here. And I kind of feel like we could see this game almost similar to what happened with uh, the Cardinals a couple weeks ago, where they just were forced into a negative game script in the second half. I certainly think they're going to fall behind. And just, I think he's going to run, right? So like at 5.8, if he runs, that can certainly get there. So I think he's interesting if you do want to go down in salary this week. He's interesting for tournaments, definitely. Like Daniel Jones is one of those players that just can get there. And if you don't watch the first half, that's fine. Like they've been outscored more than any other team in the league on uh, in, in the first half. So maybe that'll change as of this recording. But his price just it just works. It works in a game environment that's approaching fifty. If they're going to be playing catch up, and we kind of seen like although the Dolphins' offense is good, their defense kind of given it up in a lot of key spots. So. I like that call a lot. The the expensive guys. Okay, so Patrick Mahomes is 8.3 on DraftKings. He's 9.2 on FanDuel. So he's not just being given away. But if you just wanted to pay up and say, hey, Patrick Mahomes on the road just is better statistically than at home. It's in a dome. I trust their team implied total. Like I have no problems paying up for that in cash on a week where Anthony Richardson's not free anymore. Right, like he's now seven k, so he's three hundred dollars more than last week. And other than like Jalen Hurts or Kirk Cousins, like I don't know, Mahomes stands out to me as like he's worth that price for sure. Especially after what we just saw this past week, where he struggled. The Jets have a great defense, great secondary, um, and as we, we've already established many times throughout the year, Minnesota not necessarily <laughs> very good in their secondary. So I love that bounce back spot for Mahomes. Just a pricing thing, right? 8.3. It's just a matter of uh, what opens up value-wise as the week goes on. Can you get up to him or not is really what it's going to come down to. Kirk Cousins is a better value on FanDuel. So if you want to play him there, he's 7.6. I think that's totally viable. But DraftKings, great price, 6.9 if you want to play him there in a tournament. I like among the cheapies, Jared Goff stands out at home, 6.3. CJ Stroud at 6K. Is that something that you could see yourself at least as of this recording, saying, hey, I get it. In cash, if you wanted to go all the way down to that, he plays against my Falcons on the road in a dome. He's been over 300 yards last couple of games. Like, could you see that work in cash? Uh, I think so. I think it's still tough. It's, it's a tough click, I think, just because we know Atlanta, if the game is staying close, they would love to minimize play volume. They want to run the ball, get Bijan involved, get Algier involved get Cordell Pat, whoever, Johnny Smith involved, the boys. Um, and so that worries me from an overall standpoint of the game environment, but it's hard to argue the numbers, man. He's on pace currently, by the way. Did you know to uh, set the rookie record for passing yards? He's been awesome. And also that just reminded me, we've actually an under in props on him, which is not, not going to hit if he keeps this up. Uh, he's been awesome to start the year. So I get it. The box score has been incredible. I just, the game environment certainly has me worried. Can I just laugh that Ryan Tannehill and Desmond Ritter are 4.9K. 
Like they're pricing him at the point, both these guys, where they're saying, hey, you could just play a backup for the same. Like that's that's where these guys are at. I was going to say, it's almost DTR levels from last week, man. That's, oh, that's not good. Seriously, the, like 4.9 is begging people. And I, I kind of like they're doing that. Let me just say this. At what price would you be open to playing Desmond Ritter? 4K. Could I interest you in 4.5? <laughs> Stoneman, I will play him. Otherwise, I'm out. Gosh, it's it's gross, guys. I, if if you watch the game, the Toy Story version, whichever version you watched on Sunday, he was scared and probably should have had another two picks. Okay, running backs this week, bets. I I'm worried. I'm worried that the field is going to have four plays and everybody's going to play them, and that's literally it because you mentioned Saquon is expensive. Jonathan Taylor is the fourth most expensive running back on the slate. And I don't even know if he plays. I don't think he does, but he's on the slate. Bijan Robinson is a good play at 7.7 in a great matchup. And yet you still have to pause because of this team. And are they going to give him 18 plus 20 touches? But at 7.7, like you get the floor with the receiving work and there's no CMC. There's no Tony Pollard. So I think Bijan's a good elite play this week. I'm not like locking him in early, but I, he needs to be in your player pool. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly, especially on DraftKings. It's full PPR. Uh, we've taken his over in receiving a couple weeks in a row because he's just locked in for that role as an extension of the run game. Six, five, six, five targets, six, four, four, five receptions. So if you're getting a floor of, I mean, let's just call it three, three catches with the upwards of six or seven in the range of outcomes on DraftKings, it's a, a great. Uh, you know, thing to look for, obviously. They're also at home. It's in a dome. Uh, he checks the boxes. I will also mention his running back attempt share has gone up every single week. 40% in week one, 54% in week two, 59% in week three, and last week, 67% of the running back carries. So it's happening. The breakout is, is here. We just need to get that goal line roll to really like pop off and be incredible. That's the frustrating part. But on this slate, I do think he's the best play. David Montgomery at 6.6 on DraftKings is a crazy value because he's 8.5 on FanDuel. I could not fathom paying that price on FanDuel, but we know the the type of involvement he has. He had those three touchdowns the week before. And Carolina, if you look at a lot of like advanced metrics, they're 31st in rush DVOA, EPA per rush attempt. And the only reason they're 31st is because Denver like is stuck at 32 for a very long time. So I think Dave Montgomery is a really good cash play at 6.6 this week as a nine-point home favorite, like that seems like a, a play that you need to make sure that you earmark this week. And maybe he gets more and more popular. But early on in the week, that was like, okay, well, Dave Montgomery is going to be on everyone's radar. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as much as everyone in the fantasy space wants the Jameer Gibbs thing to happen, it's very clear what his role is. And it's very clear what Dave Montgomery's role is, which is kind of the workhorse and the goal line back. So yeah, at his price point, he looks rock solid and, and honestly, probably a priority for cash games. The Dolphins running backs are going to be an interesting talking point this week because Mostert 6.2, a Chan is 6.1. So they're basically the same price as heavy favorites against the Giants at home in a game that's approaching 50. You can play them and you might get it wrong. So I'm just trying to throw that out there, but they are going to be very tempting for tournaments to want to play them. Do you have any early thoughts on those two? 
Well, what's interesting is we actually saw Mostert's uh, share of the work drop quite a bit this week. I don't know if that was game plan specific or... Yeah, fumbles, a couple first half fumbles that... I think he lost both of them, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So I'm not sure what specifically that was. So that's going to be one that there's probably going to be some potential fragility in the projection. Like, projection systems might be wrong. Like, it, it could just be you know, the rookie's job moving forward. Uh, not totally, but he could be the, the, the 1A, so to speak. So it's hard to say which way you want to go. It's hard to trust projections because there could be, like I said, some input volatility there. But I think for tournaments, we know the ceiling clearly is there for both these guys. And the matchup is very inviting, especially with that team total. So I love them in tournaments. I'm still a little shaky in cash. Yeah, Chen's interesting because his route rate and snaps were clearly up. And I, I think the fumbles were part of it. But I mean, if we're getting him running, you know, it was, at, I think it was like 64%, then it, like, that's just really high for running back with his type of electricity. And, you know, it's probably not, you're not going to have the same efficiency that goes through and through, but I like both of them. I like the, the game theory part, two running backs on the same team that both are going to project well at the same price point, And it's going to crush their roster percentage. So I, I just like people just having to figure this out. Isaiah Pacheco. Looked really good on Monday night. Still looks like, okay, I don't think he's fast. I just think he's a tryhard. And that works in football, especially if you try as hard as this guy. Like, he's trying at 150%. His body won't allow him. But at 5.7, that's a really good price. And it stands out to me early in the week. Like, if you don't want to pay up for Mahomes, and, you know, we're going to talk about Kelsey, but, like, Pacheco makes a lot of sense for a team that has a 29-team implied total. Totally. And when you just look at uh, considering what happened with the summer, remember he was recovering from two surgeries, basically spent all of August in a non-contact jersey recovering from his shoulder surgery. Uh, and I think we kind of saw that slowly you know, develop over the course of the first couple of weeks where he was just getting worked in 12 opportunities, 14, 18, this week, 23. Like it's very clear he's separating certainly from CEH, obviously, but then also like McKinnon's not getting that many touches. So I think it's his backfield. Uh, will he ever be a guy that's going to play 80% of the snaps and like get the Kyron Williams usage? No, of course not. Nobody does. But I think if a floor of like 15 opportunities seems decently safe and it's an awesome game environment. So I, I like the call quite a bit. Brees Hall. I wanted, I waited to bring him up, but I have to bring it up. 5.4. The Jets play at the Broncos who have been arguably the worst Stevens in the league. Do you think he needs to be in the pool though? For cash, I don't think you can go there. Uh, it's just, it's it's a guy that is yet to play more than half the snaps in a game. Um, and, you know, week one was fun because it was like, oh, we shouldn't expect anything from Brees Hall. And then he ripped off that huge play and, and a couple chunk plays, right, against Buffalo. But then truthfully, since then, in weeks two and three, it was terrible. Uh, under two yards of carry, the offense was dysfunctional. Last night was good from the offense standpoint, obviously, but... This is still a Zach Wilson-led offense that, you know, I'm scared to trust it two weeks in a row. Uh, and, you know, I, I mean, could it work out because of efficiency? Sure. But the guy really isn't seeing that much work. And I feel like we keep preaching, you know, in cash games, we want volume and touches. And, like, can you really project more than 12 or 13? I, I, I can't do it yet. Yeah. I just love his price. And his name is Brees Hall. Like at 5.4, if I would have told you that before the season, you'd have been like, yes, please. I want to do that Aaron Rodgers offense. It's a little different, but 
Um, his teammate moving over to wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, are you interested at 6K? Because the targets keep going up and we saw some competent play from Zach Wilson. So I feel like he's cash viable. Yeah, I actually don't hate it. <laughs> I mean, and I I didn't mean to be like, oh, I'm in on, on Garrett Wilson and out on Brees Hall because of, you know, it's kind of talk, talking out of both sides of your mouth with Zach Wilson. But I think you have more chances to get there for Zach Wilson if he's going to see eight, nine, 10 targets at his price where full PPR, I mean, the dude literally catches everything. He is so good. Uh, whereas Brees Hall, like you need the workload and you need touchdown opportunity to get there. So I think if I'm choosing one jet, even considering price, for me, it will be Garrett Wilson. I mentioned Justin Jefferson right now, 9.4K. He should be 10K at home in this game environment. So I think that's a fine price. I'm totally fine paying that because there's no CMC on this on this uh, in this game. Like I think this slate is going to come down to a couple players. So paying up for the best one makes a lot of sense. So I think that can work this week. Justin Jefferson, you have Puka down here because he's our boy. And 7.7, does that change if Cup comes back? I think he would potentially be a good tournament play and probably less of a, a solid cash game play because without Cooper Cup in the lineup, I mean, you can project 30% of the targets in a, an offense that wants to throw the football. And as we've seen, you know, against Philly, like their secondary has kind of struggled you know, and they've been very good against the run. So it's another pass funnel situation. So yeah, I think we're going to see a ton of passing attempts. And certainly if you think the Eagles can put up points here, it's going to push Stafford and the Rams on the other side. So I do like Puka in a negative, potentially game environment. Um, and it's crazy, man, like 6.7, he was an absolute smash. I still think he might be undervalued for, for the role he has in full PPR. It's just unreal. You mean just like the on page for the most receiving yards ever in a season? That one. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, you have a bunch of old PPR turds on here that I never thought we'd see the day where Matthew Betts, maybe this mustache has changed you, where Adam Thielen at 5.1 and Tyler Boyd at 4.5 are names you want to throw out there. I mean, Thielen, like, he's been good, man. I don't know what else there is to say. If you're going to get five plus catches, which seems almost certain weekly at this point, um, taking on Detroit, I know that I think the general public seem, seems to be like, oh, yeah, it's Detroit. Like, they can't stop the run. Detroit's been so good against the run the last two years. So if you want to move the ball, you have to throw. And Adam Thielen's getting targets. So he makes sense. And then Tyler Boyd is really just a T. Higgins injury situation to monitor. Fractured rib. I think he has a chance to play if he wants to get an injection. If not, I think they keep him out through the bye week. So if he is out, Tyler Boyd is a very uninspiring yet totally fine 4.5K uh, play against Arizona. I wish he was cheaper. Like if he, yeah, same. He in the past he was like three point seven, so then you could like kind of okay, I get it. He can PPR his way there. That's that's just more than I want to pay. Like Tank Dell was this price, right? Four point six the week before. Puka was this price a while back. But um, in the same game, Michael Wilson is that price three point seven that I feel a little bit more confident with. So, any thoughts between those two, Tyler Boyd, Michael Wilson? If you had to pick right now. Um, I think Michael Wilson just, I mean, he's 3.7 as opposed to 4.5. I'm with you. DK is not giving Tyler Boyd away, obviously. So yeah, Michael Wilson at 3.7, I think is, is solid. Um, you know, everyone has been giving the Cardinals a ton of, uh, flack for kind of their season approach, but man, like they're in games, right? Like 
Josh Jobs is kind of frisky. Like he gets his guys going. He's competent enough to deliver the ball. So like Marquise Brown's been fine. Michael Wilson's had a couple of games pop up. So yeah, I think it's totally fair. At tight end, the big boys are here. Travis Kelsey at 7.6. TJ Hawkinson at 6.5. Mark Andrews at 5.5. So that's like the three elites. And there's like a tier system of them. Mark Andrews has been awesome the last couple of weeks. He's awesome this past week. 5.5, is there a lean where like, hey man, that's just a big discount? Yeah, I mean, it's massive discount, especially when you consider his price didn't really change after his two touchdown performance last week. So I already talked about just really not liking that game environment much against Pittsburgh. They did just allow Dalton Schultz to score last week, um, which obviously, you know, in the, in the DVP stuff is going to matter. But the thing that really matters to me is, is Bateman back? And is Odell back? Not that got, those guys have been elite target earners yet, but like the offense is literally Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers in the passing game. So when you get that condensed target tree at 5.5, I think I prefer it to Hawkinson, who's a full thousand dollars more. And then Travis Kelsey, deservedly so, is two thousand dollars more. So I think I lean Andrews if I'm if I'm picking one of the elites right now uh, for cash games, but certainly the other guys are in play for tournaments. Yeah, just to give you some context on FanDuel, Mark Andrews is 7.6 as the tight end too. So DraftKings kind of, somebody didn't do their job and they just left Mark Andrews alone. I do think it's interesting for tournaments this week with Kelsey and Hawkinson being in the same game. Like you're just going to get so many different builds. And in tournaments, I think you're going to get condensed around those three guys where normally would say there's one elite tight end and then everybody else punts. I don't think you can just punt this week. Like, I, I think it's actually a conversation that you might get buried when I start to look down, you know, it's like, who are you going to punt with? Like Hayden Hurst, Zach Ertz, like Tyler Higby's not free. Uh, Dallas Goddard apparently just doesn't play football anymore for the Eagles. So it, it's not easy to punt. Johnu Smith, 2.9. It's so bad. Tight in one. I, I had the same reaction. I like literally like logged in and scrolled down because... That's what I always do. It's the first thing I and do. I couldn't find. Yeah, it's the first thing I do. Couldn't find anyone that I was like, oh, this makes sense. This feels good. So who knows, man? We'll see what injuries ha- you know happen throughout the week. Uh, as far as usually, it's like when a pass catcher's out, the tight end. You could sprinkle another target or two in their projection, and they look better. But yeah, we'll see. Right now, I don't feel great about any tight end, <laughs> truthfully, in that range. So we'll see if there's anything that opens up as the week goes on. It's not every week you get a Tanner Hudson week, you know. No, now, dude, those two catches? Yeah, baby. Two weeks in a row, two catches. Guys, I'm so happy to play Tanner Hudson, and I was so happy just to be like, just just do something. As long as you don't goose, I can just tell people he did exactly what he was supposed to do. So go back to the practice squad, Tanner. That's probably what's going to happen because Irv Smith will get back. Um, defense this week, the Cardinals at home against uh, some guy named Joe Burrow looks good because apparently – we have replaced Joe Burrow in the simulation over the summer and we get a different version of him. So 2.8 is a good price for the Cardinals. I did not think I would be saying that sentence a month into the season, right? Play the Cardinals against Joe Burrow. Yeah. And what's funny is there's actually early money on Arizona in this game. Uh, It was a three and a half line. It is now a flat three. So money came in on Arizona to move that towards Cincy. So look, the offense looks broken. Truthfully, I mean, T. Higgins probably won't play. Uh, Burrow can't get in and out of the pocket. 
Yeah, it makes sense, man. He's kind of a sitting duck back there. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that by the end of this week, Andy Holloway, if the line sits at two, two and a half, three, he will make the Cardinals almost upset of the week. Yep, I, I can see it coming. And then New Orleans, it's fine against Mac Jones if you want to at 3K. I don't love a lot of the defensive choices early on in the week. I feel like the pricing's pretty tight and there's nobody that stands out like, okay, well, you can definitely play them. So um, keep that in mind. The Titans are kind of interesting against Anthony Richardson, who's, let's be honest, Anthony Richardson looked terrible in the first half. That team didn't score any points. It looked like the game was going to be over. So they're a team that you can look at if you want to. But yeah, not a lot of like, great pricing, especially on FanDuel. I just want to say that FanDuel's done a way better job pricing up defenses and making you like have to make a decision like, all right, if you're going to go for this defense, like last week, we got a lot of easy choices in like the 2K range. So keep that in mind. If you want to play with us, go to ballersdfs.com. It's going to direct you to our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS, Borg plus bets. You can enter into a contest. We can play with you guys. It'll be super, super fun. And the last thing I want to mention, okay, because it's a little different week. Bets and I are both uh, got a lot of things going on this week. I will be leaving as of this recording. So when this is in your ears, I'm driving and I'm going on a family vacay to the beach. So I will be gone the entire week. And just for people to know, I will not be playing DFS this week, which... uh, What? I know. I know. Is that allowed? It's just something where I've done this in the past. And whenever I've tried to play, I've lost massively because my head's not in it. And so I have voluntarily removed myself from playing this week to hang out with family and friends um, at the beach. So um, you will not be getting any other content from me this week uh, after Tuesday, but you will get some Big Shimmy in your life, right? Oh, brother. The Friday show is going to be me and Big Shim locking it down, talking through the slates. So we got you covered on the podcast. Don't worry about that. And then, yeah, we'll still have articles up in the DFS pass. We've got some of our other writers kind of stepping in for Borg so he can truly be away and, and take some time. Um, and then I will still be putting out uh, some of my content, but just kind of be graceful, folks, with the timeline. Yes, <laughs> it may yes. not be up when it's usually up. I'll be driving uh, from Pennsylvania to New Hampshire with two one-year-old twins in the back seat. So what could go wrong? I mean, come on. Um, so just be just be mindful of that if you don't get you know as many props this week or the article's out <laughs> yes, a couple hours yes. later than usual. That is why. Yes, please be gracious with this person because this is the only... like. This is the only week of the entire football season that I'm gone, and it just happened to be the same weekend that Betts is in a family wedding, and his whole family's going. So it is a a different week. It will be a different feel, but it'll be a good slate, guys. Like I actually feel bad that I don't get to look at this slate, and you know, ten games is gonna be really, really good. So uh, on Discord, I will not respond. So don't tag me. I will not be alive at all doing that at all. So Betts, tell the people goodbye for me. Yes, sir. For Kyle on the beach uh, and me with two screaming twins in the backseat, <laughs> we will catch you on Friday. Me and Jason on the Friday show. As Kyle mentioned, don't forget DFSPass.com, DFSPod for the promo code. We will see you on Friday. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Embedding Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.